Hi everyone, welcome to What's the Dealio. With social distancing, the things we can do to pass the time are limited. Reading has been an outlet for many of us to take time for ourselves during this pandemic. The high school library started hosting a virtual reading challenge at the beginning of March as an opportunity to encourage students and faculty to rediscover reading. We reached out to interview participants from each grade level to learn about their experience. Hope you enjoy! Hi, this is Miri with What's the Leo, and today I'll be interviewing some reading challenge participants. Can you briefly introduce yourself, like your name, grade level? Um, hi, I'm Mia Hamaguchi. I'm in ninth grade. Uh, I'm Spencer Landers, and I'm in grade 10. Um, hi, I'm Maya. Um, I'm in 11th grade. Uh, so I'm Joey Wildman, and I am a 12th grader. So why did you decide to do the reading challenge? I don't know. I've always uh, really liked reading, like ever since I was really young, and I just decided to go with it. <laughs> well, I've been reading quite a bit because there's no school and you can't really go anywhere so that's a good way to like pass the time and have something to do and well i saw the challenge on edsby so i thought you know i just might as well do it well i read a lot anyway so i just thought it would be nice to like submit it i've been reading a lot over the past i don't know month or two i've always liked to read a lot it's just that usually during uh school i'm pretty busy with other stuff so I don't really like see the time like or like, you know, get that time where I can just relax and read. Before Coronacation, I guess, my English teacher, Mr. Comfort, told us to like check out books to read because, you know, I guess he, he wanted us to get something to read during break. And so I picked up one of the books from uh, like the Ender Saga, which was like Ender's Game, because um, I hadn't read that in a while and I wanted to like reread it. So I guess it all started with that. So I got pretty hooked. And then I just, yeah, I kept reading pretty much. Did this challenge push you to start reading more than you used to? Yeah, I think because we had to like record how much we were reading, I felt like a bit pressured to read more. My brother is also doing it. And um, since he's in a different grade, we kind of like made it a competition within our family to like see who can put the most hours. And we'd be like, we always would check in with each other, like how many hours have you got? And we kind of made it a little competition. Do you have any book recommendations you can give? I really liked the Red Queen series. I'm also currently reading um, Tyrant's Tomb by Rick Riordan. and I like all of his books. <laughs> right now I'm reading The Fellowship of the Ring, which is pretty good. So I would recommend that. Yeah. Oh, I just read Dune. It's a sci-fi epic. I read like a lot of hard science fiction where everything is really technical. But Dune's a lot more like, it's a very weird blend of politics. So there's some sort of fantasy element as well but it's set thousands of years in the future. So I don't know, I really enjoyed it because, yeah, there's a lot of, like, I don't know, assassinations and stuff. And there's sword fighting for some reason, even though there's, like, stuff like shields and lasers, yeah. Right now, I'm reading a uh, book called What It Takes. It's a political book, actually. It's a very good book. It's about a thousand pages long, and it's about, I think, the 1988 presidential election. I would recommend that book. It's good. And I read a book called Fordlandia I got from the school library. It's about rubber colony that Henry Ford made in South America back in the 1920s. Yeah, I would recommend that too. It was very well researched.
This was Mire with interviews from Mia, Spencer, Maya, and Joey. Many of us just haven't had the time to sit down and read until the start of DLP, and this has been a great opportunity for many of us to relax doing the things we find joy in. Our interviewees have been catching up on different series or have delved into long, complex reads that would have been difficult to finish otherwise. Since the beginning of the virtual reading challenge, we have almost spent a thousand hours reading collectively. The combined efforts of high school students and faculty go to show that social distancing doesn't mean that we can't stay in touch. Next, we have Noah with a review of one of his favorite books. A Dream About Lightning Bugs is the self-told story about the singer-songwriter Ben Folds. This autobiography details major events in the songwriter's life that led him to who he is today. One of the major themes of the book, laid out early on in italicized letters, is the idea of small life lessons you learn, deemed cheap lessons by Ben. From his unorthodox childhood in Redneck, North Carolina, to a brief outing for College of Florida, then Nashville to New York to start a career as a musician, and then back to North Carolina when it all falls apart. It's a story about failure and the cheap lessons you learn from that failure to eventually get lucky and succeed. Many expect that a book written by a songwriter to have lower quality of writing. While Ben is no writing master, he does inject a dream about lightning bugs with wit, charm, and a liberal use of profanity. There's a clear voice, and never once in reading the book did I forget who was writing these words. While there are many comedic scenes that illustrate a more playful tone, there are also genuinely heartfelt and even sad moments. However, many of these more somber, emotional beats often come right after or right before many of these more comedic scenes. While this does create a sense of a whiplash, I believe this to be an intentional decision, a reflection of events that happened that I can't mention without risk of spoilers. While the book is self-aware enough to understand the downsides of Ben's life and the flaws in his personality, it does overshadow some things. Aside from his first marriage, many of his wives and subsequent divorces are barely given a mention, if at all. The book's pace starts slow, spending around half of that time before the release of his first album with his band, Ben Folds 5. It gives us time learning about major life experiences that taught him his cheap lessons, as well as providing background for many of the songs, some of which he mentions by name. However, the second half rushes by. His entire solo career is almost an afterthought compared to everything that happened before. As an example of this pace change, he illustrates every year from his high school graduation to the release of his band's first album. In contrast, he skips the period between 2005 and 2015 entirely, giving a brief mention about one project he worked on in that time. Overall, A Dream About Lightning Bugs is a heartfelt, genuine, and witty telling of the life of Ben Folds. While it is flawed, it is still an enjoyable read. Even if you don't listen to his music, you'll have a good time enjoying his wacky antics and oddly childish behavior for a 40-year-old man. So, I recommend you give it a try, and maybe, just maybe, you'll learn a few cheap lessons. Hello, this is Jasmine here with our second segment covering service projects led by ASIJ students. Today, I'll be sharing with you a little bit about the Musubi Project. The Musubi Project was started by Max Murakami Moses, a sophomore ASIJ, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The project was created in order to support the local community, primarily through delivering meals to facilities housing underprivileged mothers and children. After witnessing communities all around the world uniting to help each other and support those most impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, he hoped ASIJ would be able to do the same through his project. 
He started the project by teaming up with his mother and contacting Dr. Hardin, who was then able to connect them with Mr. Suzuki. Since becoming the project's faculty mentor, Mr. Suzuki has been able to connect them to locals such as restaurant owners and rice vendors, who have then been able to help support the Musubi project. ASIJ students can get involved by donating or asking family members to donate to ASIJ's COVID-19 fund. They could also help through any clubs they might be involved in by getting them to donate coloring books, diapers, or other items a displaced family might find valuable. Reaching out if you have other ways to contribute is much appreciated as well. For example, Kyler, a sophomore at ASIJ and creator of the company known as Genki, reached out in hopes of supporting the Musubi project through the donation of his nutrient bars. The long-term goal of the Musubi project is to deliver meals and donate as much as possible in order to support facilities housing underprivileged families. Even though the project is wrapping up at the end of the school year, we can take away an important lesson from this example of positive community involvement. Something that Max wrote that I feel is important to mention is, it's become clear to me that uniting as a community and watching out for each other is the best way to overcome the pandemic. While you're staying safe at home, consider how we as a community can work together to help those around us. And please consider donating to or otherwise supporting the Musubi Project. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a lovely day. Next up, here is Solomon with an interview covering ASIJ's Sage Club. This is Solomon with What's the Delio, and I'm here with... Anna, I'm a senior and a co-president of SAGE, Students Advocating for Gender Equality. And so today we're going to be here for a brief club spotlight on SAGE. Can you tell me a little bit about what SAGE has been doing during this distance learning period? I would love to. So we have started a few service projects. So I think you guys know about the Musubi project, the one that Max is running to deliver hot meals to victims of domestic violence. So we've been doing a few service things like that. We have some other um, rising initiatives, which are really exciting. In addition to this, we also presented at Venture Cafe Tokyo yesterday and basically brainstormed different fundraising ideas. So we're definitely have some fun project in the works. Uh, if someone wants to get involved in your other projects, uh, what can they do or who should they reach out to? So you can reach out to any of the SAGE leaders, me, Anna Kamasarf, Remy Khan, Yonakashima, Cora, Karen, or any of the SAGE leaders, anybody who's involved in SAGE, Miss Krauth. And you can also follow us on Instagram, which is Women in Japan 2020. You can okay. also email us at our Sage email address, which can be found on our Instagram, our website. And yeah, so please contact us if you're interested. We're a super welcoming club. We always love new members. So get involved. Hey everyone, this is Jacob Foster here with our final segment, a news update. In Japan, May 15th, 39 of the 47 prefectures some 55% of the Japanese population has been recently exempted from the state of emergency and are preparing a cautious return to semi-normalcy. These locations will likely see slight returns in activity, but it is unclear how well these regional economies will recover from the impact of the virus. Despite the end of emergency in the aforementioned 39 prefectures, little movement and substandard business is expected until the end of the month. On Friday, May 15th, Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga stated, Even in areas where the emergency has been lifted, we would like to see people refrain from moving between prefectures as much as possible, at least during this month, in which he is likely referring to the hopeful end to the emergency state on May 31st. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe 
lifted the state of emergency for these prefectures on Thursday, but the urban centers of Tokyo and Osaka, alongside a few others, are still under restrictions. In the Philippines, Typhoon Von Fong has struck the country which is already struggling to combat the coronavirus. Typhoon Von Fong, the name meaning wasp in Cantonese, has forced more than 150,000 people to seek emergency shelter after a mass evacuation was complicated and slowed by the ongoing pandemic. The typhoon has weakened since landing in the eastern Samar province on Thursday, May 14th, but is only expected to blow out of the country by Sunday. Assistance and recovery efforts have been so far hampered by the need to wear protective gear and the limiting the number of people in one emergency shelter. In an evacuation room, which previously could hold up to 40 families, now they can only hold four families as a precaution against spreading the virus. The typhoon has hit at an extremely inopportune time, as the country had just been planning to lessen restrictive quarantine on Monday, May 18th, for most of the country. Today's news comes from the Associated Press, Reuters, and the New York Times. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Solomon with What's the Dealio. I'm happy to announce that this year we're going to be doing a special episode dedicated to celebrating ASIJ's class of 2020. We're seeking submissions from current seniors telling us about your favorite memory at ASIJ, the greatest challenges you've overcome, and more. For the musicians in our class, we're also welcoming submissions of music to be played in the background. Submit now at delio.asij.ac.jp/seniors. Don't forget to check out the rest of our episodes at delio.asij.ac.jp, on Apple Podcasts, or on Hanabi. Connect with us on Instagram at asij underscore podcast, and don't forget to tune in next Saturday for a new episode. Thanks for listening.